This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It is New Year's resolution season. And one of the most common resolutions you'll encounter is, I want to lose a little bit of weight. I want to get in shape. Let me tell you, as an experienced gym goer, the first week of January is not the week you want to spend at the gym. So maybe you want to look for a different way to burn some calories. How about a winter walk in the park. Wetaskiwin, Alberta community reporter Anna Kim has some thoughts on a winter walk in the park. Hey, good morning, Anna. Happy New Year. Good morning and Happy New Year. How, how are you with those resolutions so far, two days in? I made it to the gym yesterday in the morning and I'm hoping to go uh, this afternoon. And uh, in fact, Anna, this gives me the opportunity to shout out a segment that I'm going to do with Shane Baker, a wellness columnist uh, tomorrow on the show, all about creating good habits and some of the habits we want to get into with our resolutions. So that's going to happen tomorrow morning around 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. But circling back to walks in the park, what do you like about them, especially in the wintertime? Well, it has been, uh, and I, I heard the, the weather report for Ontario. It is. It seems like it's been a really warm winter thus far for ev- almost everyone around the country. And with that, I mean, Walks in the park, you're you're in nature. I I find that a, a gym is a little bit anxiety inducing sometimes. There's a lot of different machines, a lot of different people. So for me, it, being outdoors in nature, you get that amazing fresh air. And I know I've highlighted a lot of different kind of outdoorsy or park things, but it's different for each season. You have those summer walks, which are really nice. But I find that in an, on a nice winter day, when you're walking through, you know, that nice crisp air in in beautiful snow-covered trees it just is something else especially when we've had such warm winters and I mean with a winter walk you can go as far or as short as you want you can make it as in-depth or activity filled as you want and there's just so much opportunity with it just to be outside and there's something about being in nature and connecting with that side of things that makes your day just a little bit brighter you know the, the the little bit of outdoor activity getting your body engaged it makes the day almost feel a little more productive sometimes and it you know all together it just it sometimes makes things feel a little complete there's something deeply sensory about a winter walk as well when people use the expression fresh air when it's like minus 10 outside there's something deeply fresh about the air. And then when you add in like the greenery, the green space, pine trees, that's a sen- that, that's the this, this sensory of smell, the sound of your feet crunching into the, gr- into the snow, right? Like there's something deeply sensory about a winter walk in the park that maybe the summer, fall or spring don't quite offer in the same way. You are, you are not wrong. It, it, you can really immerse yourself in kind of that that winter wonderland feel whether you have low vision or not and it's 
there's you're right there is something about feeling the differences between walking on concrete and walking on snow or um even some winter walks some some parks have ice rinks if you're into that and and the ability the ability to kind of go from a walk to skating if you really wanted to or or walking on ice don't know how many people want to do that but you know <laughs> if that's your fancy then it, there's just something about it and it, also the ability for for you to sit with family or friends and and walk through a park and and talk and be immersed in that it's just it's almost fairy tale like mm. and there's no doubt uh that alberta offers some pretty beautiful spaces to go for nature walks and probably the biggest of big is the rocky mountains so yes. you want to do a little shouting out of the rocky mountains here what do you think someone should know before they visit the rockies and i understand when i say the rockies i know that's sort of a big long loaded term because they stretch across the entire province <laughs> just a little bit and the, the one the thing that i wanted to shout out which i i found absolutely fascinating and i only found it recently was the rocky mountain adaptive and it's a it's a, a program that they have to make skiing snowboarding winter sports more accessible to persons with disabilities and it is a crazy cool program i i've been looking into it and there is so much to it that you know you can you are given these opportunities that you maybe never thought you'd have i, I mean you know they focus on on family and individual lessons and they they pride themselves on ensuring that people know what they're doing or or how to navigate those rocky mountains with either with a buddy or you can do and go for just the experience and have someone there with you just not to teach you how to ski but just to be kind of a, a little support to make sure you don't run into trees because that's kind of a good thing and mm -hmm. um, i have done that a couple times you should see the tree <laughs> and um <laughs> they the, the one thing that i well there's there's a lot to it that's really really neat but one of the the big things that kind of caught my eye was the fact that they have an education aspect to it where they they teach other people how they can help persons with disabilities to learn how to navigate those winter wonderlands and learn how to navigate the rockies and they they really pride themselves on on ensuring that everyone can be a part of those winter sports so i mean if you couldn't tell i'm very excited about this rocky mountain adaptive because they are just very diverse in what they can do and how they can teach you how to navigate so many different things yeah they do really cool work we uh, interviewed one of their uh, one of their 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 top dogs uh, earlier this year or late la uh, earlier last year i should say sorry i'm still i'm still trying to blend the 2024 2023 <laughs> thing uh, time is a flat circle but they do incredible work and that's part of a lot of incredible adaptive ski programs and nature programs across the country Anna, you mentioned it you've, you've strapped on the skis you've given you've given the uh, the, the skiing a, a, a whirl as you're making your way through uh, downhill cross country what's your what's your fancy I'm a downhill skier um, we have this adorable little hill near where I live Gwyn Hill and it's just really small it's where I learned um, and there's very limited trees on one side so that's kind of side where I just point the skis down and see how fast I can go <laughs> and hopefully I don't run into anything it's fine and <laughs> I mean I've dabbled in the mountains once or twice it was an experience and I did have someone who was able to to guide me a little bit, but there's a big difference between a, a little local hill and 
you know, Lake Louise Mountains, where yeah. you almost feel like you're on the top of the world. And uh, <laughs> with uh, no depth perception, everything just looks flat. So yeah. I ran into things, but I just have <laughs> stories now. Yeah, that that's a uh, experience that I can relate to as someone who's legally blind and did a little bit of skiing in their youth. Uh, little local hills like Mont Christie outside Montreal are one thing, and then you end up on the tourist traps like Mont Tremblant, and uh, it's, it's a bit of a different experience. There's a little more navigation uh, involved. Anna, while we're talking about the great outdoors, before you share a quick thought on technology on the way out the door, today's Daily Poll is all about the outdoors as well. Ooh. Hundreds of people across the country took part in polar dips yesterday, plunging themselves in freezing cold lakes or even the ocean, which is especially wild to me um, <laughs> this time of year. Anna, at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, would you ever plunge yourself in freezing cold water um i like my warm sweaters and my fuzzy socks i am okay i will i will cheer people on from the sidelines i ain't touching that water whatsoever they, they can go have fun i'm good i uh i find that relatable as well okay anna one thing here on the way out the door you've also got technology on the brain today and one of the common threads across this show is talking about technological developments, and the possibilities and drawbacks when you apply the accessibility lens. What brought technological progress and accessibility to your mind today? I know it's kind of a jump from going, you know, outdoors in the mountains to technology, but kind of being along the lines of outdoors, I had the opportunity to go to Florida over the break and, you know, a whole lot warmer, but I got to experience some different forms of technology that I found a little, not necessarily concerning, but there were some drawbacks, right? It, we went to this lovely hotel. It was gorgeous. Um, the lobby was well lit. It was, it was amazing, except the elevator, mm. which had a a screen as the the buttons that you usually push and it was a screen with these little boxes these panels and they had some very small writing in them and you had to scan your key card and then press the button and then there were like six different elevators and one would open up but they wouldn't tell you which one would open up it was it was a whole thing and for the duration of the stay there which was really only one day but i had to use that elevator quite a bit i could not use it alone one without looking like a goof because I would be staring, like crouching down, staring at this panel, trying to read things. Um, and two, without trying to find some other way to navigate it. And it was a tall building. We were on the 24th floor. I am not walking up or down 24 <laughs> sets of stairs. We've talked about stairs. That ain't <laughs> happening. So using this elevator was a, kind of an eye-opening experience where I realized, huh, there are some advancements in technology where it is not accessible and i mean maybe we could have a quick brainstorming session as to how stuff like that can be accessible or what are some other different technologies that we need to look into to be wondering how is this going to be a drawback for someone with a disability yeah that's where the notion of disability consultation really matters and i think that especially from the blind and low vision perspective touchscreens becoming more commonplace aesthetically quite pleasing, not necessarily accessible or inclusive in the way that we're used to physical buttons. And there are people trying to bridge that gap a little bit, but it does feel like the explosion and expansion of touchscreens has gotten a little out of hand. 
Oh, yeah. And I mean, I am only a young adult. I am just starting to travel a little bit. I'm just starting to, you know, branch out into the world on my own and also embracing my low vision and trying to find new ways to to see how I can navigate the world and realizing that there are a lot of touch screens, a lot of different things that aren't necessarily the most accommodating was kind of a, a not necessarily a big thing, but definitely a, a jumping point where I'm now realizing, huh, there's there's a lot that that needs to mm-hmm. not you know needs to kind of be altered a little bit or i need to find a way around it or you know i'll try and help someone to not have this happen again because as much as i love my brother being in an elevator with him for an extended period of time is not a pleasant thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it goes back to the idea of independence you want to travel and you want to try and do it independently and you find the barriers big and small across your experience and that's one of the amazing things about traveling but it's also one of the very stressful things about traveling when you have a disability hey anna i gotta get out of here Happy New Year again. Glad you made it back from Florida safe and sound. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Talk to you in a couple weeks. That's Anna Kim, a community reporter in Wetaskiwin, Alberta. Let's bring in Laura Bain for the entertainment report. Don't play the music yet. We still got to get Laura Bain here in the mix. Laura, January 1st always marks an interesting time in the world of entertainment because this is when a bunch of work becomes available into the public domain. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Some people even call January 1st Public Domain Day for that reason. Ah, ah. Um, (laughs) I guess that's a thing. Anyway, uh, so this is a big one that people are talking about because Mickey and Minnie Mouse, as portrayed in their 1928 debut roles in Steamboat Willie, entered the public domain as of yesterday. Um, I mean, it is important to note that it's kind of as portrayed in those roles because Disney has made some changes to the characters mm-hmm, over the years mm-hmm. that are still copyright protected. But Disney's really done everything that it can to kind of fight against its content becoming uh, public domain. And this is despite the fact that most of their earlier content, like Peter Pan and Pinocchio, was only made possible because of loose copyright laws at the time. Um, but they've definitely been one of the companies kind of behind the lobby for these more restrictive copyright laws. Um, <laughs> yeah, rules no. rules for everybody else, but the rules shouldn't be applied to us for all the content ideas that we uh, borrowed heavily from yeah. in the creation of our famed characters. Absolutely. Um, so some other notable characters that are, or content, I should say, coming into public domain includes Tigger from Winnie Ooh. the Pooh. Now, I understand, I believe Pooh Bear himself. Yeah, Winnie, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. I was going to make reference to that. I haven't seen it. It has pretty bad reviews. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. I have not seen it. I also saw the reviews were not particularly good. But I do appreciate and support anybody reimagining uh, classic content in a different way. Absolutely. Um, And we've also got the original Peter Pan character as written in the 1928 play by J.M. Barry coming into public domain. Um, I don't want to get too much into copyright and public domain laws. It's really complicated, but uh, pretty much in the U.S. and Canada, it's 70. It's the the lifetime of the creator plus 70 years. And Canada has made their laws more restrictive as of last year to come in line with the U.S. on that. Um, And once stuff is in the public domain, then, of course, people can uh, reproduce it and use it creatively, and they don't need any permission from the owners or or creators. Um, You know, copyright is something that I remember running into a lot when I was working as an AMI bureau reporter. Mm -hmm. We did a segment where uh, I took a singing lesson 
Canadian and we were trying to find a song that I could sing and we ended up having to go with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star which was uh, in the public domain but I'm sure it's something you run into quite a lot in your role Dave so I'm wondering what you think should copyright laws be <laughs> fairly restrictive and some have even said they should last forever or do you think that things should be more relaxed. My personal bias is it would make uh, our job a lot easier producing this show if there was uh, less loose, if there were looser copyright laws. You're mm -hmm. definitely right to identify that. Uh, but if I'm to grapple with this question in good faith, artists should be protected, right? If somebody takes the time to create intellectual property, they should be respected and protected to a degree. I don't know if the life of the artist plus 70 is the right number, and I don't know if big corporations should be able to buy up some of those copyrights uh, after somebody uh, passes away to then sort of further extend the clock outwardly. So I, I would be someone who's in favor of less restrictive copyright rules, but if it was more artist-focused rather than sort of the corporate way in which copyright has been uh, sort of uh, lorded over creatives' heads for the better part of 50 to 60 years. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. And I can see both sides of it as well. Um, of course, artists want to have uh, the work they create be uh, protected, but then also there are benefits to things being in the public domain. And I'm kind of, you know, as I say, I'm not an expert about this, but I wonder about perhaps a distinction between commercial and non-commercial use of content. Um, you know, I know I took a like, well, I did my degree in philosophy, my undergrad, and, you know, uh, for really old works, like professors were able to just photocopy them and make them available, but not so the case for newer works. So, you know, situations like that, where it's it's non-commercial purposes, perhaps the rules should be different. I think, I think you and I are both sort of circling around the idea of finding distinctions, which uh, there are copyright lawyers who uh, get a lot of billable hours trying to find uh, those distinctions. But yeah, I, I, I would not want to eliminate uh, copyright protections, but nor do I want to create a situation where once you've created something, it's, it's there forever. At a certain point, we have to be able to move forward and grapple and reimagine. Hence, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. It might not have been uh, the best execution, but I love the idea. <laughs> hey, Laura, I would say goodbye and talk to you tomorrow, but I'm talking to you again in about 20 minutes, so don't go too far. I will talk to you soon. <laughs> That's Laura Bain. You'll hear from her in the second hour of the show, but coming up next, January 1st of 2024 was arguably one of the best sports days ever. Yes, there's recency bias involved. The last thing I saw was the best thing I saw. Oh, but it was good. So Brock Richardson's going to stop by and uh, give quick takes across an awesome day in sports. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. I'm Marjorie Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hadjar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.